Welcome to the Tusker Sports Weekly, episode number 94, your one-stop shop for all things Husker sports, and we are a week closer to football, and we will take a look at the Nebraska Cornhuskers 2022 football schedule. We will go game by game and give our thoughts on each and every single matchup coming up for Scott Frost and company here this year. We will also look at the preseason coaches poll as well to start things off here today, give our reactions to that, see where the Big Ten teams fell and which teams are on the outside looking in. But without any further ado, let's get into things. Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen, or excuse me, Hansen, not Hansen. It's going to take me a while to get used to that. I'm sorry. but You're going to have to punch it. You're going to have to really I, emphasize the Hansen, not Hanson. I'm going to have to make a sticky note for myself and just put it in front of me every single time we record now. You, you should like, I don't know. Give I'm not me, changing it back. I know you. I know you're not changing. It. That's fine. I wasn't going to ask you to do that. Never anyway, looking back. I will. I will never make you change your Twitter handle. That is just going over the line. But anyway, you can find our show at Husker Weekly on Twitter as well, and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show there as well. So let's dive right in here today. That's Grant's favorite saying of all time. With the yes. coaches poll, the preseason coaches poll. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? We're gonna we're, we're gonna dive in and not talk we're gonna, about the Nebraska Broadcasters Association. We're gonna dive in on Wednesday night. Well, Grant we're won just a, a month of rents at the <laughs> three hundred dollars playing who and some amount. I I think it was seventy five Nebraska lottery scratch off tickets. Hey, there's got to be a winner in there somewhere, right? I'm hoping. I mean, but I mean, like, come on. Who's the real winner, though? I mean, I don't Who's... know. $300.75 scratch-off tickets, that's pretty good. But Grant and I were both in attendance at the NBA Awards, just to make it sound a little bit more official, the Nebraska Broadcasters Association Awards. Grant was there. I was there. We were with a good friend, Matt McMaster, as well. Uh, Matt and I were accepting an award for a game that we did back in November, which was Nebraska women's basketball. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but Grant... you didn't know. You didn't know what it was, if it was going to be bronze, exactly. silver. Yes, you are, you are was, 100% correct. It was gold. It was it gold. Was gold. It was the golden award. And, I, you know, I don't like talking about, like, okay, an award's an award, whatever. But it was cool to be there. I mean, we saw a lot of familiar faces. We saw some recent graduates of the Co-JMC. We saw current professors. We saw uh, current you know media members within the Lincoln and Omaha area as well. So we got to meet a bunch of them, which was super awesome. Yeah, and I was there two days. I was there helping out, uh, working on uh, Tuesday as well. I, I think the thing for me that really struck me, well, two things. The, the first is how many people we actually know right. in the industry locally. Uh, I was blown away by that, really. Um, like, I think I need to sit down. I've been trying to do this in the days since. And maybe I will actually get around to it. Maybe I won't, but... Like I need to sit down and literally like take a list and write down everybody that I actually met during this those two days, um, but it was crazy, um, and you know on top of that, right? The thing that I think really was the overarching theme, right, for me was that look like all of these people are excellent at what they do, but they're also really really good people, like for the most like. For the most part, top to bottom, these these are some excellent people in our industry within this state. Um, just really, really kind, funny, uh, mm-hmm. exciting people, good people to be around. Um, so, again, just a, a lot of fun out there uh, at, uh, where was it again, uh, the Regency? Was it the Regency? Embassy yeah. Suites. Embassy, that's it. In downtown Which I've never Lincoln. been there. I've never been there either. And it's really nice. Very nice hotel. It's one of those hotels where you walk into the lobby and all the rooms are along the walls and the lobby goes all the way up to the room. I don't know the specific architectural name for it. Yeah, it's atrium. It's kind of like yeah. an atrium, basically. Which yeah. is cool. So, yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, a lot of good people that we were able to meet, obviously very talented at what they do, but just even greater people to talk to, kind of meet, know their story, how they got to where they are, and just get to know them on a, a personal level outside of the business as well, which was was really, really awesome. John Baylor did a phenomenal job emceeing the night as well, the award ceremony, um, as he's been you know, a local favorite for almost 30 years now with Husker Volleyball. So he was great. I uh, got to talk with him as well. Grant and I both did. And Yeah, I need to send to you his him. phone number still. Well, Oops. I think we both have it. From I think we both should. 
we, he was on our show before quite a while ago at this point, but he was on our show before to talk volleyball. Who knows? Maybe we have him on again to talk volleyball. Well, probably will, but I, I can't remember if, if I just did all the communication on that front. Um, or if we both did, there but I some, know for sure Matt doesn't have his number. Right. We'll have to do that at some point, but it was great to be there. Great events put on a couple of days. I was there one day as Grant mentioned, he was there a couple of days, really cool event. And it was super awesome to be in attendance for, uh, also big congratulations to actually a man who is currently sitting two offices away from me right now. Rick mm. Galloway was inducted into the NBA hall of fame. Um, on what was that Tuesday night? So yes. a big congratulations to a co-JMC professor um, and one of Nebraska's own. So big congratulations to Rick Allen. That was really cool. Yeah, getting to watch his speech on Tuesday night, uh, you could tell obviously it meant a lot to him, and you know got emotional when he was able to talk about his family, who um, I believe actually everybody was there in attendance uh, with Rick. Um, you know, it's a guy it, really Rick, and then of course Neil Nelkin. Um, with NRG Media, who is responsible for the creation of 1620 The Zone. Um, you know, those two guys, I think, probably combined have touched the lives of pretty much every successful broadcaster in this state and many <laughs> folks on a national level. Um, so, you know, they've really had a pipeline going for a while where Rick would teach them in college and then basically send them off to Neil <laughs> to work professionally uh, on the radio side. So um, just really cool to be in the presence of those two legends. And, of course, Derry Kern as well, uh, WOWT anchor in Omaha for about 30 years. His career wrapped up uh, sometime during the 90s. So that was really awesome. And then I, so I guess so like a large part of my duties, those two days were handing out name tags. And so we got around to Wednesday night and I was working with these two um, really – uh, solid folks, solid ladies from the uh, Lincoln Convention B- Visitors Bureau. I think they're, what's their motto? Is it, isn't it uh, be a tourist in your own hometown, if I remember correctly? You know, as somebody who has to do an ad read for them during the high school yeah. football and basketball <laughs> seasons, I should know this, but I can't think of it right now. I'm pretty sure that's it. I've heard that ad like a bajillion times. Um, anyway, so I'm working with these these two ladies, and we're getting down to brass tacks on Wednesday night. We're you know, the last folks are coming in to uh, the the dinner that night, and there's like 116 name tags still left. So this gentleman comes up to us. He was there the night before, and he said he forgot his name tag in his room. Uh, can we make him a new one? Well, one of the ladies, she just says, here, would you like to be? And she picks it up, and she looks at it, and she says, I'm just going to make up a name here. Uh, well, actually, no, I, I'll say the real name. Mike St. Joseph. Would you like to be Mike St. Joseph? And so she just hands him this guy's name tag. We still have like a half hour to go until, you know, the, the actual dinner begins. And so the guy took Mike St. Joseph's name tag and he went into the convention center, which is about a hundred or few, you know, a hundred feet away from the registration desk. And so the whole time the lady who handed him the name tag is working with is just like, man, how long do I have before Mike St. Joseph shows up? How long do I have before the real Mike St. Joseph shows up? <laughs> Well, you've got 116 name tags sitting there. There's no way, right? Well, so I'm just looking at every guy. I'm just like, does that guy look like a Mike? Does that look like a Mike? So this guy comes up, and I'm like, man, this guy looks like a Mike. And he says, my name is Mike. And then it wasn't St. Joseph. It wasn't his last name. And so, like, there is definitely, like, a huge, like, <gasps> gasp kind of thing. And then I'm not even kidding. Like, literally less than five minutes before the start, of the dinner a guy walks up i'm like that guy looks like a mike and he says i'm mike st joseph and we just started dying laughing back there and he's kind of like what's going on and then we told him and he took it really well and we went back in there and got the guys who had his name tag we got it from him and brought it back but um yeah just crazy coincidence though like 116 names 116 names and Mike St. Joseph decided to show up. So he was one of the 116. So um, anyway, just a really fun experience overall for the both of us this week and the last couple of days. Yeah, super awesome to see a bunch of people, see a bunch of people get awards and see a lot of really good work being done as well in the industry. Just really cool to see uh, all the local uh, products and, and all the local people and even people from, you know, four and a half hours west of Lincoln, still within the state borders. That's really cool as well. So as Grant said, a great time at the NBA awards slash convention. And 
Uh, we hope to do it again next year. Uh, just a lot of really, really cool people there as well. So let's talk about some college football now here on, well, shall we? on episode number 94. So the coaches poll came out earlier this week, and I'll just read it from, I'll go from 25 to 1. How about that? Um, there are a handful of Big Ten teams located within this top 25 as well. So number 25 to number 1, here we go. Houston, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Kentucky, Wisconsin is the first Big Ten team there. Wake Forest, Texas, Miami, Pittsburgh, USC, Michigan State, North Carolina State, Oregon, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Oklahoma, Utah, Texas A&M, Michigan, Notre Dame, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and guess who number one is Alabama, of course. But Big Ten teams being represented, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, no surprises there. A couple of teams that just missed out were Iowa, Penn State, and I believe Purdue is somewhere in that receiving votes field. But I think the correct amount of Big Ten teams are in there. You could make a case for Iowa, obviously, as well as Penn State. But again, it's the coaches poll. It's not the AP poll. But a good representation there from the Big Ten Conference. Grant, your initial reactions to this top 25. I mean, yeah, Iowa, Penn State are both teams that I kind of feel like are throwaway teams that people just kind of put in at the beginning of the year because you know they're going to win nine games or however many other, although Penn State didn't um, last year. But I, I think one thing that was interesting to be USC being where they were um, ranked at, let me check here, number 15, that like, I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily disrespectful. It, it's just maybe it's too much credit given. Um but you know, the more I think about it, like when you were reading them off, I almost thought they came in at, at number like eleven or something. Michigan State being in front of USC feels weird. I, again, it's the preseason, basically none of it really matters. Uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, Okie State, nine, ten, and eleven is seems clear. People don't really know what to do with them. They know they're the best three teams in the Big Twelve, but where? Um, one thing that we were talking about as a group, the uh, Nebraska coming soon staff uh, the other day was Clemson being where they were. And, and four preseason, it was a little weird for them considering what the, how they looked from the eyeball test perspective last year. Um, but they won 10 games. And so, like... A very quiet 10 the games. Fact that, yeah, the fact that 10 games, 10 and 2 feels quiet for them. Like, that's kind of, a, I think, a sense that you've arrived in many ways. Uh, so, I... <laughs> Four still feels weird, but like again, like Notre Dame at five also doesn't make any sense, right? Because I, I have no doubt that that defense is going to be really solid. I have no doubt that the offensive line is going to be really solid. I, the qu- quarterback's a huge question mark, I think, with Notre Dame. Um, Michigan at six, I'm fine with that. AM, I think AM could be higher or could deserve to be higher. Utah, I'm glad to see them getting the respect that they deserve. We'll see if they can actually pay that off throughout the regular season. The Utes are in there at number eight. Of course, then you got that Big 12 log jam at nine through 11. Um, NC State at 13. That's a team that brings back a lot of production. They won nine games last year. They got kind of hosed out of a bowl game. In the same year, their baseball team gets hosed out of the CWS because of COVID. And it wasn't even them. Uh, It was uh, UCLA for NC state during the football season. So they went nine and three last year. That's kind of a team to watch in the ACC, especially if Clemson, um, you know, doesn't figure it out or struggles early on and, and kind of proves to be that, you know, that kind of initial thought that we all had, like, really they're a number four. Did you watch them last year? If they continue to sort of decline a little bit. NC state could be a team to watch there. And then Miami at 17 is fascinating. Um, yeah. I I'm very interested to see what happens with the Hurricanes this year. Um, and there's a bunch of good games. I, I think, well, uh, I, yeah. And the most interesting game to me opening week is that Penn State game, um, mm-hmm. which Penn State-Purdue. That that one is just fascinating. It's on Thursday. Those are two, and those are two teams that aren't in the top 25 in, this, in the coaches' poll. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think NC State could definitely be a team to look out for in the ACC. Wake Forest is also featured in this top 25. They had a really good year last year. Obviously, Clemson, as we mentioned, quiet 10 wins it kind of feels like you made it there in college football I think Notre Dame you mentioned the quarterback question marks will affect the Irish number five you know they're they're gonna have a good defense that's for sure but uh, number five we'll see how that plays out Utah as you mentioned getting the respect that they deserve they are legitimate contenders 
out of the Pac-12 conference. I think they're due for a pretty good year as well. Oregon at number 12, too. It's going to be a battle between Oregon, Utah, and then depending on how USC ends up panning out because they have so many new additions, we don't really know. On paper, they look like a college football playoff team, in all honesty, but we don't know how that's going to pan out on the field, obviously, so we'll have to wait and see there. Pac-12 could be super interesting this year. The Oklahoma-Baylor-Oklahoma State trio there. How's Oklahoma going to be this year? Obviously, Nebraska will see Oklahoma in the fourth game of the year. How are they going to deal with their losses over the offseason? We'll find out. The Big 12 will be a pretty interesting conference, per usual, really. It's always a pretty interesting conference. And you mentioned that Penn State-Purdue game. That's going to be big in the grand scheme of things, I think, in the Big 10, because you mentioned it's two unranked opponents according to this poll. But it still has a lot of meaning behind it. And then you also have Iowa, who received 248 votes. They were the first team out of the top 25, so 26th, if you will. Uh, let's see where they end up. As you mentioned, kind of a throwaway team. They're going to win nine games probably, as they do every single year. So don't be shocked if they make their way into the top 25. We did have this conversation with a couple of friends of ours, and I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts about it. No vote, not a single vote for Nebraska in the others receiving votes. Now, again, it's the coaches oh, poll. Oh, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't carry that <laughs> much weight. Okay. I just yeah, wanted to. I do not care. Yeah. So, that's fine. They don't deserve it. They won three games. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think that's. I, I, I really feel like that's the. I don't know if there's, um, like, just even looking at our message boards, you know, at, at, on three, uh, nobody's really concerned about that. So, um. Yeah, like I, I just I would not be very concerned. We'll see what they can prove on the football field itself, right? Exactly. And that's we've talked about over the summer, the field or the play on the field, I should say, will do the talking. And that's exactly what us Husker fans are looking for here this fall. So what do you say we look at the schedule? What do you say we, we dive into Why each not? game? Let's do it. Week zero, August 27th at 11.30 in the morning, Central Standard Time. Nebraska-Northwestern to open things up in 2022, a game that is very nerve-wracking, is might be very close, and two programs that have come to know each other very, very well over the past decade or so. Nebraska definitely got the best of Northwestern last year with that 56-7 to win, but this game is in Ireland. Northwestern has a bye week after this first game. Nebraska does not. Now, not saying that that's going to have huge implications on this game, but it's something to think about. And Scott Frost, this is a make-or-break year for yeah. him. Fitzgerald, more job security with Northwestern, but a game that all eyes will be on in Week 0. Well, yeah. I mean, the the pressure is all on Nebraska, obviously. Uh, Fitzgerald, you mentioned more job security. I, I think Pat has practically unlimited job security there. Um, you know, and, and so that obviously is not really almost ever a part of the conversation and Northwestern has no expectations this year. So yes, all the pressure is on Nebraska in this instance. I just, uh, added Dublin to my world clock app on my phone. Um, nice. so I know what the time difference is. It's, it's a six hour time difference. So this okay. game will kick at five thirty PM, uh, Dublin time. That's not terrible. No, it isn't. But it is weird. I mean, if you're for a college football player, you know, you, most of your games are starting out at either, you know, eleven o'clock, two thirty, or um, what, like six, six or, or seven. seven o'clock. So it's kind of in a weird spot in some ways. But you're playing in Ireland, so I mean, it's like, does it really mean anything for anybody? No, exactly. Uh, look, all the pressure is on Nebraska. I think the game does end up being close, and I think Nebraska wins it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a repeat of last year, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Northwestern win. Uh, there's not a game on the schedule that I look at and I think to myself, that's a surefire win, other than maybe North Dakota and Georgia Southern, but the, even those games, as we'll get into here in a second, um, have their their stumbling blocks. This is going to be an intense game, so just you have Nebraska winning in Week 0, correct? I do, and I have them winning close. Okay. I would agree with that assessment. Obviously, these two programs know each other very, very well. They've had close games in the past. A lot riding on this game for Nebraska, especially Scott Frost. A lot of pressure. As Grant mentioned, Northwestern, 
doesn't really have expectations going into this year, but sometimes that's when they thrive the best, when they don't have expectations. But this will be a close game, in my opinion. I think Nebraska squeaks out of Ireland with a Week 0 win. Let's keep our fingers crossed. But as Grant said, I also would not be surprised if we see an Illinois situation from a year ago. Let's hope that doesn't happen for, for everybody's sake in the state borders of Nebraska and everybody who represents uh, the scarlet and cream. Sorry, I have to be official about the colors now. Next week, which is September 3rd at 2.30, which is the real week one, North Dakota comes to town, Nebraska, for all intents and purposes in our hypothetical world, coming off of a win against Northwestern, playing their home opener in 2022. There's a buzz in Memorial Stadium. The Huskers are 1-0 in the Big Ten Conference. Results for this game. Yeah, this one is where the no bye week thing comes into play. And this is the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous. You know, it's North Dakota isn't a bad team. They won five and six last year. Uh, they, I mean, look, they had some up and downs, but they lost by a touchdown to North Dakota State. And then at the end of the year, they lost by a field goal to South Dakota State on November the, the 20th. So, you know, this is a team that competes at their level, you know, pretty well. So if Nebraska isn't dialed in coming back off that off that first game, they get no bye week. I could see them maybe even stumbling here again. Like you think back to all the times in the Scott Frost era where this team hasn't been ready to go for an important game uh, or a game that many expected them to win. Two examples stick out immediately is, you know, more recently, of course, Illinois last year. And then a few years back, Nebraska, when they played Troy, mm-hmm. uh, now there was a couple of different things going on there. But you had Adrian Martinez out for that game. Um, but Regardless. still, Nebraska shouldn't have lost to Troy. Right. And so um, that could be the, either one of these next two games could fall into that category. But I think they win it. I do think they win it um, and go to 2 0. I think this is a game where Nebraska struggles in the first half and. Maybe they even go into halftime down for whatever reason because of that short rest and no bye week. I think it is a game that they do win, though, that they pull away in the second half. But I think North Dakota gives them a really good shot in the first half, maybe puts Nebraska on their heels a little bit. But the Huskers come back and and win a game, hopefully by multiple scores in the second half against North Dakota. They improved to 2-0, and so Grant and I both on the same page so far, 2-0, and going into the first night game of the year against Georgia Southern, home game number two. Yeah, this one is another one that could be like I. I just look. I said I think I said I. I said this probably multiple times last year, but like you can't ever look at a game and think that Nebraska is like guaranteed to win. I agree. I don't think I. I don't think that Georgia Southern is more dangerous than North Dakota. And again, I think to remember with North Dakota is that it's, it's their first game of the year, so you know that. In some ways, if you're going to take advantages and disadvantages and weigh them against each other, Nebraska not coming, you're not getting a bye week and coming back from Ireland, and then North Dakota having playing their first game of the year. You know, maybe those two things cancel out in some folks' minds. But Georgia Southern went three and nine last year. Um, you know, Arkansas just took it to them, beat them 45 to 10. They played Coastal Carolina, lost that one, uh, 28 to eight. So they played three ranked teams. Uh, Appy State, I think uh, you'll remember. I was at, was it just? I thought Appy State was your team during the pandemic, along with the Raging Cajuns. Maybe yes. Not, I don't know. Appy State's um, just my my small school G5 team. Yeah. Well, they lost to them 27-3. to So I I don't think it's anywhere near as dangerous. Nebraska wins it, and Georgia Southern uh, leaves Lincoln uh, licking their wounds. And so the Huskers are 3-0 at that point. I agree. I think the Huskers are 3-0. I think I'm less concerned about this game just because of you know the traveling and the lack thereof, and it's a night game. Memorial Stadium will be popping no matter what, um, and I also agree. I think they go 3-0. and You mentioned Georgia Southern went 3-9 and last year, played a couple of ranked opponents, didn't fare very well against them, um, and Nebraska gets another win. And this is heading into one of the bigger games of the year, which is big noon kickoff, 11 a.m., Nebraska-Oklahoma for the second year in a row, and we had this discussion last year. What if Nebraska goes 3-0 into Oklahoma? They don't. They stumble against Illinois in Week 0 in 2021. This time, in our hypothetical world right now, they get it right. They're 3-0 going to Oklahoma. And for all intents and purposes, this is by far 
to this point in 2022, the biggest game of our collegiate careers. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, one of us could be on the call for that game, by the way. Which would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I know I'm going to be there. I know that for a fact. Well, I'll be there no matter what, yeah. Uh, well, in a media capacity. Right. I don't know what I'm doing for our class on that on that day. Um, but, so I think this game could really define the year in a lot of ways. I know I said earlier when we were doing that exercise a couple of weeks ago that this, in my opinion, is the most important game on Nebraska's schedule to guarantee a win, right? Mm -hmm. It's a rival. It's against a new head coach. It's against a team that has taken in a lot of new faces. It's a really big game. And it's a chance for Ross to get that momentum that he seemingly has never had here. In fact, I don't think, by the way, in this instance, we've each predicted him to win three games to start the year. I don't think he's won three games in a row ever at his time in Nebraska. In nope. fact, I think the most is two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might not have even happened. So, um, you know, this is a huge deal because if you can get the winning streak to four, I mean, that means, I mean, that means a lot. So I think Nebraska puts a lot of emphasis on this game. And I honestly, I don't understand. Like, I know Brent, Brent Venables is getting the benefit of the doubt. I just, I don't, I don't know why Oklahoma is put where they are. Considering the roster that they had last year, considering how they played last year. I mean, I know Spencer Rattler wasn't great, but I just, and then of course, Caleb Williams later. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't feel as confident in Oklahoma as seemingly the rest of college football's coaches feel. Uh, I think Nebraska wins this one. And I think they start the year 4-0. They take down the Sooners at home. And it's inarguably the biggest win in the Scott Frost era. Yeah, this game is tough. This game is really tough to predict because you mentioned the losses Oklahoma has endured over this offseason. And Scott Frost putting together a win streak of three games for the first time in his Husker coaching career. This is enormous when it comes to just the grand scheme of things, Scott Frost's career, and for the program in general. And it will be a tight game, I think, no matter what happens. I know Oklahoma's a a very early favorite because that line came out a couple weeks ago already. Um, I don't recall what it is right now. But I think this game is close. And it really, if you flipped a coin and decided who was going to win this game, I would blame you, really. And... I've been trying to be an extreme realist for Nebraska this year and over the offseason when it comes to their wins and losses. But I think I'm going to agree with you here, Grant. I think oh. I think Nebraska gets it done. I Dang do. It. I really I do. I we disagree. I think they get it done by a field goal. I think that's going to be my... <laughs> and that's kind of ballsy on its own. I know. But, but I think they get it done by a field goal, a touchdown at most, it will be wire to wire, a very, very close game. And it was last year. It yeah. was last year. Yeah. And no one expected it to be. Right. And we'll see how it turns out this year because I don't think I don't think people are expecting a blowout this year. Now, maybe Oklahoma just absolutely blasts the first two opponents on their schedule. But, yeah, well, I, I mean, I agree. It's going to be close. We saw last year, too, Oklahoma struggled in their first couple of games against or against right. non-con opponents before Nebraska. And the two-lane game is one that comes to mind, right? And that was a big one. And you put it in Memorial Stadium this time in Lincoln. And you add that with the losses Oklahoma has endured and the familiarity Scott Frost has with Nebraska and the transfer that he's brought in. Look, if Oklahoma wins this, I'm not shocked, but I think I'm going to go Nebraska by less than a score, like a field goal touchdown. It's going to be close. Yeah. People expect it to be close. The thing that will throw a wrench into everything we're saying here is if Nebraska loses one of its first three. Right. Because in, in my opinion, if Nebraska has a stinker in its first three games, then that Oklahoma win isn't happening. I the agree. only way they are able to beat Oklahoma is if they're coming into that game playing with some supreme confidence. Um, and so that, again, just underscores the importance of that Northwestern game, especially considering the two opponents that are next on the schedule. This is a game, and <laughs> I'm already thinking about the Oklahoma game. Like the heart rate, you know, gets going. Like this is the type right. of college football game that you wake up and you want to watch and you want to be a part of. And that's going to be a prime example here in Lincoln on September 17th, 11 a.m. 
Lincoln, Nebraska will be the place to be USA that weekend, especially if both teams are 3-0 and heading in to that game. Also, uh, one thing that, you know, low-key we might be forgetting here, the Oklahoma game, alternates. I think that's probably the prime game that Nebraska wears their alternate unis, uh, considering the reveal video that they just semi re- or teaser video the social media team mm-hmm. just put out uh, either yesterday or today. I can't remember um, which one it was, but they reveal the alternate unis on the 15th. So be on the lookout. Very well could be the Oklahoma game. Well, speaking of alternate uniforms, are we ever going to see the white version of the black shirts? Ah, oh, God, I, those are so sweet. Another thing that COVID robbed us of. I know because they were supposed to wear that against Wisconsin that year. And that game obviously was canceled. But Correct. I, don't, I think the black ones are a little bit better, but I wouldn't mind seeing those white ones in action. Those are, are pretty sweet. But th- you make a good point. I didn't really think about that. So that could be another uh, alternate uniform game. It kind of was last year, like, and I say kind of very lightly. But that could be a, a really nice time on national television as well to throw the alternates out there in between the lines. Let's move on to week five. Nebraska is 4-0. Heading into the homecoming game against Indiana for both of us, which is a night game. And Indiana, 2-10 and 10 last year, not very good. They don't expect to be very good this year as well. I think we could have a fairly short discussion about this game. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not very concerned about it. I, I, I don't know why. Um, you know, especially, let's say, okay, here's another scenario, right? Let's say they're 2-2 two and two going into that game. Then I'm really concerned. Because there's some stakes. There's some serious stakes on that game for Nebraska if they're two and two. Because if you lose that game and you're two and three, you got to find four wins against Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. That's going to be really tough. So, again, that front half of the schedule is so important, especially if Scott Frost wants to keep his job. Nebraska has to start well and keep it rolling. And look, if they do start well, there's a chance they can win some of those games they had usually lost in years past. Um, because they haven't had momentum. Again, like Frost keeps bringing that up over and over and over. He wants to see momentum at Nebraska because he's never got a chance to see what that looks like. And this schedule kind of provides him an opportunity for that. He's just got to take care of business. I, Again, in my situation here, right, Nebraska's 4-0. I think they win the Indiana game too in that case. They're 5-0 after dispatching the Hoosiers on homecoming. 5-0 and against the Hoosiers, I agree. And I know we keep agreeing and – Granted, the first half of the schedule looks a lot different than the second half of the schedule. So, 5-0 and Nebraska. And you mentioned, I mean, they could very well be 2-2 two and two going into this game. And then, boom, stakes, situational things, very different. But for the sake of our conversation right now, they beat Indiana on homecoming. They are 5-0. and And they head to Piscataway, New Jersey on a Friday night. Grant, I've told you this game scares the heck out of me. Your thoughts about the Scarlet Knights on a Friday? Only if they've got two losses. I really don't care about this game. If Nebraska loses to Rutgers going on the road, and after in the beginning, like, look, people are more concerned about this Rutgers game than North Dakota. And I'm just kind of confused as to why that is. For some reason, of all the bottom feeders in the Big Ten, Nebraska has had the least trouble with Rutgers. Uh, and so I'm just not really that concerned about this game because, yes, it's a short week, but Nebraska's already had a short week in this schedule coming off a trip to Ireland. So, look, I think Nebraska beats Rutgers here on a Friday night. It's not like Rutgers isn't coming on a short week, too. Uh, and then, again, if you look at the Scarlet Knights and their schedule um, prior to that game, again, they're on a short week. And then um, as I'm waiting for this to load here, there we go. All right. So when they play Nebraska, they're fresh off Ohio State. So they go to the horseshoe and in all likelihood, they'll get pummeled. And then they and then they host Nebraska. Both teams are on a short week. I think Nebraska wins this one. And I think the concern surrounding it is overblown. Well, I hope you're right in that sense. And I'm not sitting here saying Nebraska is going to lose to Rutgers, but I, again, I wouldn't be shocked if it's close. And you mentioned, you make a good point, out of all the bottom feeders, quote-unquote, of the Big Ten, Rutgers has been the least concerning one so far for Scott Frost. He's handled them well um, in the limited amount of times that he's seen Rutgers. I don't Rutgers. think he's lost. He's not lost to Rutgers. Well, how many times have they played? Twice. Played them, I think they've played him twice. They played him in 2020. What was the other time? Why am I forgetting? 
Uh, I'm looking back. I'll I'll find it. Because they won 28-21 in the COVID year, which was, I believe, the final game of the season. Correct. Uh, and it was that weird, it was past Christmas. Right. Uh, which, it, again, it just, the whole thing felt weird. Yeah, because I, I remember I watched that game from home in Chicago because I was And maybe that is the only time. I, I think it's Rutgers in Maryland mm. that that he has not had any trouble. Yes. I don't think he's lost to either of those two teams. That's correct. So yeah. Rutgers... He's only played Rutgers once, but Maryland he's played twice, I believe. I think Nebraska beats Rutgers, but I wouldn't be shocked if Rutgers makes it close on a Friday. I just I don't like anything about that setting. A Friday in Piscataway, the energy's not going to be very high, most likely. I think that affects teams more so than people think, and I, I don't know, it just... I don't like it. I don't like the situation. I think Nebraska escapes with a with a victory. Hopefully, they win with a comfortable margin. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Rutgers makes it pretty close there in Piscataway. But good news for Nebraska for the first time in the Scott Frost era, they are bowl eligible, six and zero right now for Grant and I heading into the all but dangerous Purdue week in West Lafayette. Yeah, this is where it goes off the rails for me. This is it. Uh, they lose to Purdue in this game. I, I, I just, I don't think. Look, and I, like I said, I am not high on Purdue at all. I've made that abundantly clear. But Purdue, up to this point, has not faced a test, and maybe that is something that favors Nebraska. Minnesota is their only real serious game on October first, and Penn State, I guess, uh, at the beginning of the year. So I'm wrong, but. You know, gosh, I know Maryland, Florida, Atlantic, Syracuse, Indiana State. Those are four wins right there for the Boilermakers. And if they're as good as people think they are, they should dispatch Penn State on the opening weekend and beat Minnesota as well. So they could be six and oh, it could be a six and oh, six and oh clash. That would be uh, sick. Who, know, who knows where that gets flexed to. Uh, but I just I don't I don't see Nebraska winning this. I really don't. And maybe they're playing with confidence. Maybe I feel different if they beat Oklahoma. But this is the point where I think my optimism begins to wane, and it wanes significantly. They lose to Purdue. Give me 6-0 and over 6-0 and Purdue and Nebraska. I never thought I would see the day. Give it to me. I want that game so bad. That would be so much fun. The only problem is it's in West Lafayette, and Nebraska doesn't play very well in West Lafayette, I don't think. They lost to a not-very-good Purdue team in 2019 there. They beat Purdue in 2020. But Purdue's on the up, and granted, they did lose some weapons, but it's scary going into West Lafayette, especially later in the year. It doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. For whatever reason, in the second half of the football season, Purdue comes to play each and every weekend, especially in that stadium. I think Nebraska also drops their first game of the year here against the Boilermakers and what hopefully is a close game. I think it'll be an entertaining game, especially if both teams are 6-0 and going to that. That would be a lot of fun to watch. So 6-1 and heading to October 29th against a team in Illinois that, well, for, for putting it lightly, has given Scott Frost a lot of fits in his Nebraska coaching career. Yeah, and that's why I'm picking Illinois to win. Whoa. I think. I Whoa. Just, well. <laughs> no, I don't want to sway your decision. No, you're right. I, I, no, you're right. I, I I'm not gonna go with Illinois. I, I, look, Frost has been so close to beating them year in year out. It feels like a coin flip every time, and it shouldn't. But it, that's how it feels. Well, it one is. of these times has got to land on heads. And look at Illinois' schedule heading into the Nebraska game. They play uh, on the road at Wisconsin. They host Iowa and then Minnesota. So those are three really, really difficult teams in the West. They're very physical teams in the West that they're gonna play against. In three straight weeks, Nebraska, they get Illinois um, following a bye week. And I think the Huskers are going to be ready to go and they win this one. Finally, they beat Illinois at home after losing in back to back years. Illinois non-con is a little challenging as well. You play Wyoming week zero and they also play Virginia and Virginia is a team that built that beat Illinois by a lot last year. So Virginia knows how to play well against the Fighting Illini, and you mentioned some tough Big Ten games, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota leading into the Nebraska game. And as you mentioned, Nebraska coming off of a bye week. I think Nebraska gets it done against Illinois, as you said, finally, 
a, a gasp of fresh air. You get to beat Illinois for the first time in what seems like forever in the Scott Frost era, and the Huskers are 7-1, and one, and that's where they need to be heading into these final four games because it is murderer's row. Minnesota kicks off your month of November. Luckily, Nebraska gets Minnesota at home this year. Yeah, they do. I, I, I like Minnesota a lot. To me, that's the dark horse in the West. And I know we talked about it last week, but I like them a lot more than Purdue. They're older. They've got better skill position players, in my opinion. Now, receiver is kind of a question mark. But look, they didn't need it last year. They didn't need it to beat Nebraska. Uh, and so I I don't see Nebraska winning this one. I really don't. Uh, P.J. Fleck has had Scott Frost's number. You even think back to the COVID year. Yeah, Minnesota's down like 30 players on their roster uh, just to COVID, and they still come into Nebraska and they win it in Lincoln. I just, I, I just, I don't see Nebraska winning this game, uh, and I, and I think they're now seven and two. You mentioned Minnesota being old and a dark horse in the West, and I think you really swayed me that way the last time we recorded a podcast. And I agree with you. I think that they could very well be a dark horse in this West division and maybe come out on top just because of their veteranship and their experience and their age across a lot of positions. And I think they do come into Memorial Stadium, and I think they win. And I think that's just how it's it's been with Scott Frost in Minnesota. It will continue to be that way, at least for this year. And I think Nebraska drops their second game of the year and their second game of the Big Ten to Minnesota. And that leads them into a November 12th matchup in the big house against Michigan. And man, that does not sound very fun. No, but it's the total reverse of the Ireland game for Nebraska. There is no pressure on them going into Michigan and especially in our situation, right? Where they've already become bowl eligible at that point. So they're going to be able to play loose Michigan. On the other hand, they've got Ohio state in two weeks. Two weeks previously, they had played Michigan State. And at this point in the year, you've got a good idea of whether or not Michigan is legit. Now, they're going to have to prove everything they want to prove during their conference schedule because the non-con for Michigan, you've got Colorado, Connecticut, Hawaii, not very intimidating. But you got to play Iowa. you got to play Michigan State, Penn State. There's some good teams in the East, and then, of course, Ohio State as well. So I think the pressure in this situation is going to be on Michigan but I just I don't see any way that Nebraska is able to come out and win this one. Now, maybe Michigan at this point in the year has been revealed to be a fraud and last year's team, uh, you know, just wasn't legit. But I just I don't think that's going to happen uh, because they bring back four of their five starters on an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country last year. And then they bring back Blake Corum and McNamara. So I, I like again, like all in all, I think Michigan comes out victorious here and potentially handily. I think Michigan comes into this game undefeated probably. Now Michigan State is the one game that I really circle on that schedule because that game was phenomenal last year. I mean, that was unbelievable out in East Lansing. But Michigan State has to come to the big house this time, and Michigan also gets Penn State at home too. So those are two big East Division games that you get at home. You have to go to Iowa, which could be concerning, but I think Michigan gets it done in Iowa City, they come into Nebraska game undefeated. And the only thing that Michigan has to make sure is that they don't get caught napping because they play Rutgers the week before. And I think they beat Rutgers pretty handily. And they can't come in, you know, kind of overlooking Nebraska if they are 7-2 and two going into this game after a Rutgers game in which all likelihood they win by multiple scores. So that's the only concern for Michigan coming into that game. But they get Nebraska at home. I think they beat Nebraska probably by two to three scores maybe because Michigan at home is just a different animal. I don't think Michigan wins the Big Ten. I think they get their hearts broken yet again by Ohio State this year because um, after Nebraska they play Illinois, which is a win. They ha- they host Illinois, and then they go to Ohio State. I think that's the game that they lose, and that probably knocks them off of any potential going to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. So I think Michigan wins by multiple scores in that game. Nebraska 7-3. and three. And they host Wisconsin. Yeah, and Wisconsin is another fascinating game, a team that Nebraska's played close with. Like every one of these teams they have played close with in the last four years. And I just I don't think they win. I do, I do, not, I do not think they come out victorious. And in fact, spoiler alert, in any of these last three games, 
So yeah. uh, I, I think they lose the Wisconsin game. And I think that really puts a very interesting spin on the year and some interesting weight on the on the uh, presumptive bowl game in this situation. Um, because I am just going to go right ahead and just say they're going to lose to Iowa, I think, again. And it's a much-needed game. But I, in this situation, I can't pick Nebraska to win any of these last three because they haven't been able to win them. Uh, and I've already kind of expended my one free pass to the Oklahoma game earlier on. So um, I, I, I think you know when you when you look at the last few games on the schedule, I, I don't know how you pick Nebraska in almost any of these. And I know it's different than my rationale with the Oklahoma game, but. I just I don't I don't think they're able to, to to knock off Iowa and I think most of these games are gonna be close but I just don't see them coming out victorious so my final record being seven and five and I think you're spot on with that though because yeah you have that rationale with the Oklahoma game but that was after you gave Nebraska to build time to build momentum going into that game and you mentioned year after year Nebraska has been unable to beat these Western Division foes they've come close but they just can't do it. And the key with Wisconsin, and obviously every Nebraska fan knows this very, very well, you cannot let them run the ball. Braylon Allen, however, is one of the best running backs in college football this year. So that's going to be the key. Do not let Wisconsin run all over you. But even if you try and stop that, it's probably going to happen once more. I think Wisconsin comes out victorious and hopefully a close game at Memorial Stadium. I'm with Grant. Spoiler alert. I think they lose to Iowa as well, but Grant, expand your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I just, look, it's, Iowa does all the right things. And to this point, you know, we haven't seen Nebraska prove that they're capable of matching that. And we'll get a chance to see it again this year, of course, but I just, I don't think it's very likely that the Huskers come out victorious. This feels very similar to last year, I think, in our, our preseason podcast going game by game. Because we both, correct me if I'm wrong, Grant, but I think we both said, like, hey, this is a year where Nebraska could start very, very well, and the back half of the schedule will knock them off. And it seems like that's how it's going to work this year. Let's hope we're wrong and hope they win more than seven games, but I think seven and five is that regular season record. I've said it all offseason. I think seven is the ceiling for regular season wins. They go win a bowl game, make it eight wins, awesome. But I think seven and five is is the realistic choice right now for the both of us. And you mentioned Iowa just does everything right. They do the fundamentals right. They know how to win. They're disciplined and they're good at home in November as well. And Nebraska obviously has struggled against Iowa in the past handful of years, and they haven't just not been able to beat them. They had chances last year. They were at multiple scores. They still couldn't do it. Granted, no starting quarterback in Adrian Martinez, but it looked like Smothers was going to carry this Nebraska team to a victory and it all comes crumbling down in a matter of what seems like seconds in that game so I think Nebraska goes seven and five in 2022 despite the negativity to end the schedule they do make a bowl game for the first time in the Scott Frost era and obviously a huge step forward in that sense yeah no it definitely is uh but again I think it really puts some weight on that bowl game because what if the mystery metric is eight wins? And again, you start the year six and zero oh in this instance, this hypothetical for us, and then you finish the year one and five. If it goes to one and six, then there are some serious doubts surrounding a team that finishes the year seven and six. Other than you know, compared to winning a bowl game and closing the year with uh, an eight and five record. You have to start fast, you have to finish fast, and Nebraska in our hypothetical world starts 6-0, and finishes 1-5. and Let's hope the last six games aren't 1-5. and Let's hope they get maybe two or three in there. That would be very, very nice, uh, just as Husker fans in general. And, and by the way, anything less than 5-1 and one to begin the year is a failure. I, I like straight up. I think it's a huge it's, it's less a than 5-1 and one to yeah. start the year. If it's less than five and one to start the year, I would put the odds at Scott keeping his job at less than fifty percent. I would agree. I I I don't know if I want to go as far as that failure means, right because, now, but I don't know. No, no, because it is because you should beat Indiana, Rutgers, Georgia, Southern, North Dakota, Northwestern. If you lose one of those games, I, I mean that uh, I that's guess, a failure. Yeah. And plus, you have Illinois in there too. I mean, five and one. That, that Illinois is your best chance at a sixth one there in that second half of the schedule as well. 
So yeah, I, I think I think actually that that could be the the correct word to use there is failure, and there are instances where Scott Frost could be in trouble in mid October. Uh, but if they start six and zero, obviously those conversations won't happen until likely after the season. So Grant and I both have Nebraska going seven and five in two thousand and twenty two. Please leave your thoughts about what you think Nebraska will do in twenty twenty two on Twitter. Respond to us at Husker Weekly or respond to our Twitter pages at Hanson Not Hanson or C underscore Clark underscore twenty seven. How many wins does Nebraska get this year? Do they make a bowl game to Scott Frost? Live to see a sixth season at the helm of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Grant, anything else you'd like to add in today's episode? No, uh, not really. Uh, we're we're just bearing down. I mean, I, I mean, I'm calling a Midland football game in less than two weeks. Nebraska's going to Ireland in less than two weeks. The preseason press conference is not this Sunday, but the following Sunday um, the, for the for Northwestern week. Uh, so, I mean, everything is getting much, much closer. Nebraska volleyball plays its first matches in 15 days. Uh, so it's about time. It's about time for the 22-23 cycle, and I'm, I'm excited to get it going. Let's get it rolling. It's football and volleyball season. Lots of exciting things happening in Lincoln, Nebraska. Hopefully a lot of good things happening in Lincoln, Nebraska as well. Northwestern and Nebraska in about two weeks, August 27th from Dublin, Ireland. All eyes will be on that game in week zero. We thank you so much for listening in to episode number 94, our schedule prediction for the Nebraska Cornhuskers football team in 2022. Hopefully they win seven or more games. That would be phenomenal. And the Huskers make it to a postseason bowl game for the first time under Scott Frost. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson Not Hanson. You can follow us, or our show, on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. We won't have an episode next week just because logistic stuff and moving and all of this, you know, life things. But we will be back the week of the Northwestern game to preview that game in full. So we will talk to you in two weeks. Football season is here. But until then, go Big Red.